Thanks for listening to FYI Stillwater, where you will hear information about your local government you didn't know you need to know straight from the source. Be sure to check out other news and information from the City of Stillwater at stillwater.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Fletcher, Director of Marketing and Civic Engagement. Today, my co-host is Communications Coordinator Megan Pardue. How are you, Megan? I am good because today is actually my first socially distanced podcast. We've done this once or twice before. We're trying to get back on a regular schedule. You also just got back from your first professional vacation. Yes, I did. I took a week off and I went to the beach and it was great. So you've been here a year, you had enough vacation and you took it. Yes, I did. And you can't see me, but I am tan. She is tan, folks. It's still not very tan, but it's tan for me. Yeah. Um, Now, if I had gone to the beach, I would have came back extremely tan. You would have known I'd have been to the beach. (laughs) And... uh, and I kind of tried to get her to take me with her, but she yes, turned me she down. Yes, she kind of scrolled on Google Maps for a while, just reminiscing. Yeah, it's like, go here. This is where you should go. So anyway, very glad to have Megan back. Uh, so what are we talking about today, Megan? Today is all about water. Today's guest is Thomas Novotny, water treatment plant superintendent. And we're going to start with some basic facts. So you may have not known this, but Stillwater's water source is Caw Lake, and this is located approximately 10 miles from Ponca City in Kay County. So the Caw Lake surface water is transported 42 miles to the city's treatment facility located at 1022 West Yost Road. And that's what Thomas is uh, the superintendent of. Yes. So he came all the way down here. The water treatment facility has supplied more than 2.4 billion gallons of clean drinking water to the Stillwater citizens, five rural water districts, and several mobile home communities in Payne County and Noble County. So so today we're going to be asking Thomas, like, so we know where the water comes from, but how does it get from Call Lake um, to, to my tap? And uh, how do I know the water is good to drink? Like, okay, so it's lake water, it's river water, it's pipe water. I'm, so it's something you use every day, yeah. yet it doesn't really cross your mind. Yeah, so like how does it get here and how do we know it's okay to drink? So, Thomas, welcome, welcome to FYI Stillwater. Thank you, thank you very much. This is your first time to do a podcast? Yes, ma'am, it is. All right, uh, you don't look nervous at all. So, we are going to start with a lightning round and we're going to ask you some random but revealing questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. He looks ready. All right, go okay. Megan. So, what is your favorite time of day and why? Uh, I believe it is the morning time. I knew you were going to be a morning person. So that I can gather my thoughts and talk to the good Lord above before I start my day. There you go. So you like to like have a mo- kind of meditation. You're just like you pull it all in and, yep. and you're ready to go. Yep. I'd so do you do that over coffee, sitting on the porch? Uh, what? Usually, usually I just do it sitting on the couch in the dark. Just oh, take it yeah. easy and think about things and just make sure that I don't get in a hurry throughout the day and remind myself of what my focus is on moving forward for the day. So do you um, do you find that that... that have you done that for a long time? In considerable amount of time. You said so. This is just a lifestyle for you. Yep. Awesome. I wish I didn't just roll out of bed and get my day started. I'm not saying it doesn't happen sometimes. <laughs> it does. However, I try to get up early enough to where I can make sure I got myself together and know what's going to take place throughout the day. That is awesome. I kind of sort of do that taking a shower. I kind of like take stock of the day, but but. 
I, I think if I would set myself down and really thought about it, I think my, I would pull things together a little bit better. So I really think we're going to know the answer to the next question. <laughs> so would you rather always be slightly late or super early? I'm a super early kind of individual. I knew it. Yeah. I, I have a hard time with being late, and I have a hard time with individuals at my facility being late. So Yeah. So my parents were never late to anything in their entire life. So late to them is like at least if you were 15 minutes early, that's late. And that's so, me. So growing up, I did not realize that people were late to things. I just thought adults knew how to, to show up at things. So I was actually quite surprised to realize that people were chronically late. It was like, oh my God, you can be late? That is like awesome. Yep. Typically the joke is, you know, the men usually wait on the woman to get ready. The women are always late. But it's me sitting at home waiting on my boyfriend completely ready for him to finish up and go somewhere. So I'm definitely the super early person too. Mm -hmm. I'd rather be early than late. Yeah, I, I prefer it. But yeah, it shocks me quite honestly when people are late. I mean, it's like, wow, how, how, do you, how do you get to be late? You're making things difficult for everyone else. Oh, Tommy's over there saying, what, me? <laughs> this was not about our technician. Yeah, <laughs> our technician is over there saying, I was not late today. <laughs> she had a very important cat vet appointment. Yeah, that, that, we can allow that. So, Thomas, uh, let it, now that we know that you are like... Like you've got it all pulled together. What is your what was your career path to become uh, in charge of the water plant? To give a little brief history, I started uh, in late '97 part time for the city in the wastewater division and worked in '99. I became a full time employee uh, with. So the you've benefits. been a long time employee of the city. Yes. Wow. I've just worked through and pushed myself and strove to make sure I knew the direction that I wanted to go and to be able to be a benefit and be an asset to the city and be an asset to the community uh, to ensure that things are where they need to be. A lot of people overlook uh, water quality and wastewater uh, as well. It's something that's interesting and and it's an ever-growing, ever-changing industry. Yeah, and it's a little out of sight, out of mind, but whenever the water goes out or the wastewater's got a problem, that's the first thing people notice. Seconds. Correct. It takes people it's, seconds. And it it, it's just crazy because we always flip on the tap and, you know, you count on that water to come out. And it's if taken it for granted. Yes, it, it is. Wow. Uh, so you're very much a public servant. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. I try uh, to be. Right. And I think providing water is, of all the things the city does, I mean, you know, you can live without electricity for a while. I mean, a lot of things you, you can do without it for a little bit. But man, when that water does not come on, it's like the it is like critical. So we're very fortunate in Stillwater to have uh, you know professionals, public servants running our things, people who really take the the time to really think about what we're doing and why we're doing it. So um, so yeah, that is like the most important thing. So what's a typical day for you? What what does a superintendent actually do? I oversee the operational aspects and all the parts and moving pieces and chemicals and the dosages and everything that go into making our water safe and clean for the communities we serve. So the water comes from Caw Lake and it comes 42 miles to the plant. Yes. And at that point, the water gets treated. What does that mean? So in the initial stages, we have a, uh, a raw water tank. The water comes into the raw water tank or raw water tower and... It gives it a little bit of short time to settle out some of the big impurities 
dirt, mud, and uh, I'll say the inevitable, there are a few fish that slip through occasionally. And then from there, uh, that's your initial starting point of your treatment. Uh, there it goes into several different pipes that add different chemicals into the water for cleaning out the bacteria to coagulation aids to keep filter out all the dirt and debris and the minute particles and the bacteria and it goes through a few more processes uh, not going to just really go in depth because there's on a lot going on now there there is and also is for security reasons as well so it gets goes into these basins and it basically is a big mixer it looks like a paint mixer almost but ginormous <laughs> yeah so it stays in there for a certain period of time and goes out through these weirs as cleaner water. So it may come in the plant of, let's say, 10 NTU, which is NTU is a standard term for turbidity. So it may come in 10 turbidity, and through this short little process of adding the coagulation aids and the uh, other things to start the process, it may be leaving our uh, SCUs at a uh, 1 or a 0.1 or a 0.4, depending on how much the dosage of chemicals we add because you're you're measuring you're testing you're looking so so you're so it's really very scientific and very precise of what you're supposed to be doing yes it is we take samples every so often throughout the day uh, so that we know what our water's doing we know what's coming in at all times we know the whole process from front to back in order to make sure that we are treating it per the regulatory uh, through DEQ EPA and and we even go above and beyond that so we try to to hold the high bar for what we do and we enjoy it it's a challenge sometimes because we get thrown some monkey wrenches in it but we all work as a team out there at the plant and and it's a 24-7 operation, right? It's 24-7, 365, never shuts down. So you guys are out there treating the water, and then it goes into the distribution system. So it leaves the water treatment plant, and it moves through a lot of pipes. Correct. Uh, miles and miles. I'm not quite for sure exactly how many miles, but it's well over 600 uh, miles of pipeline throughout the whole distribution system. So whenever you're treating the water, and then it goes into these miles of, of pipes before they get to my tap. So you have to anticipate the water being in the, through the pipes, into the towers, and into my tap. So you have to know that when the water comes out of the tap, it's good to drink. Correct. So uh, that being said, it, when, we, when it leaves our facility at the water treatment plant, we also have two individuals that are uh, system health specialists. Mm -hmm. They go out and they... They don't only take samples each day throughout the system to ensure what's taking place out there. They also do uh, monthly testing for back, back T samples so that we know that there's no bacteria in the, in the pipelines right. or anything like that. But they also do uh, uh, system health. Mm -hmm. So the, the data that they're collecting, we can see trending and trends that are taking place, whether it's hot during the summer, cool during the winter, or if we have a uh, place, we'll, we'll take the COVID-19 deal, for instance. The, everything shut down. Mm -hmm. So we got to see some trends that were unusual. However, we knew the proper actions to take. Because to less water was being used and it was being stored in the towers. Correct. And if there, if water's still, it can... It's got a shelf life. Yeah. So, uh, so what happens if, if there is bacteria in the water? We take certain precautions, so we, if we find a sample that is, has a bacteria in the water, first we determine which bacteria that is. We use a, a, a third-party lab so that nobody thinks that we are skew, skewing anything or, right. or so on. So 
we determine which bacteria is in the water, and then we take the proper precautions. We have to do more tests upstream of where we took the first test and downstream of where we took the first test to ensure if it's at just that particular location yeah, or if it is a, a bigger issue. And if it becomes a bigger issue, then, then we work together with DEQ because they are notified as well, and we determine what we have to do at that time in that location to ensure that the, the uh, quality of the water is where so it needs to be. So you mentioned all of these processes and all of these regular tests that the water has to undergo. So this makes me wonder, how does our water compare to other cities' water as far as quality or, uh, yeah, just general overall Mm -hmm. quality? In other cities and towns that I have tasted the water, as far as taste, I believe ours is hands down one of the best. Um, now there has been some times when we've had some machinery that's this gave us fits that we will taste that sometimes but uh, most of the time it's short-lived and we're through that. I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty high quality as far as I'm concerned and I drink it daily every day all day so seeing different towns in the area and different cities and different states that I would put our water up against any time. Because DEQ has a minimum standard. Correct. And uh, so as long as you're meeting the minimum standard, your water is fine. Correct. But we, we, we go above and beyond. We strive to be above and beyond. So I know that we post at least once a year the water quality report. Correct. And that, so if somebody was really interested in uh, what the DEQ I think it's DEQ that yes. looks at it. So so there's actually this third party that looks at what we do, and you guys are actually judged on that. Correct. So the water quality report and the consumer confidence report, or CCR and WQR, we used to do them in-house and present them to DEQ, and now DEQ does them solely and then presents them to us, and then we deliver them to the citizens or the communities that we serve. Yeah, so you can get those off the website if you're really curious. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, th- but there's a lot of really good information. And when you start looking at it, it's like, wow, there's so many things that are tested. And so it, there's a, just a lot of stuff there. I was, uh, it's a very thorough report. We uh, just got done with our lead and copper sample, samples for the year within city limits. And they all turned out Yeah, good. It's, it's things like that that you may not think of. But there's actually professionals like Thomas who are taking care of the water. So, uh, so anyway, I think it's just really interesting. And, uh, you know, I remember somebody said to me once, because I was like, why do we do things this, why do we do so much on, on the water? It's like, well, you know, the, the alternative might be cholera or, I mean, there's, there's like really uh, severe consequences if people aren't doing their job right. So I've been at the city 12 years, and I don't think in 12 years we've ever had a, uh, a bull request or, you know, or bull alert. We haven't, so we've had a really good run. So We have, um, and, it, and it's very interesting due to our aging infrastructure. Um, I don't wish it upon anybody by no means to have something like that happen. Uh, we have very good personnel in, in both the water treatment plan and operations that we we keep a handle on the health of our system and our and our daily And like operations. you said, uh, it is an aging system. I mean, when the water pipes were originally put down, when the town was being built, they're underground. You don't see them. And we don't, I think, I think we have recently tried to figure out where all of them were because, you know, we're talking a hundred years worth of pipes. Sure. So, uh, so whenever people go into an older section of town, they all, they may not know if it's clay pipes or lead pipes or, uh, you know, whatever. So you guys have a lot, the, the people who work on the distribution system have a lot of things they need to consider 
So uh, it, I do. I find it really interesting. Yeah. Every time I try to think about the amount of pipes that are underneath me at any given time, and then I think about the amount of pipes and lines all under the city, it kind of freaks me out. I did a presentation in the city for uh, a class that I was taking at, uh, here a couple years ago, and I, one of the pictures that I had in my slides was a, I believe it was in Chicago in 1932 uh, or something to that nature. And it was like nothing but you could see they had the road dug up and there was lines crisscrossing. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, and but nobody cares as long as the water's coming out of their tap. Yeah. As long as the water's coming out, we're good. But you guys are, are really having to deal with a, a lot of things. And, and we monitor, I mean, we monitor continuously, not only in our facility, but out in the distribution system. And we'll continue to monitor and we're going to continue to uh, improve our efficiency within the treatment process and in the uh, system health of uh, the distribution system. So we're going to work, we're moving forward uh, very well. Awesome. Uh, I, like I said, I think it's really interesting and uh, we're, we're working on a, a kind of a video companion to this um, topic as well and Thomas is going to walk me through a whole bunch of stuff so that I can share it with you hopefully uh, in the next few months so anyway it's one of my favorite topics quite honestly just because I love the idea of the water coming and it kind of you don't see where it goes and it comes out your tap like anyway it's a it's a real interesting Tom anybody ever wants a tour we're open to tours uh, with the COVID-19 yeah. stuff cool. it's kind of slacked off because we don't want to bring anything outside into our facility right. uh, due to the nature of it but yeah you can uh if, if that's something that's interesting to you and your group uh your organization just email news at stillwater.org and we'll set you up with thomas well thank you so much for being our guest today and walking us through the intricacies of getting water to the tap you're welcome thank you to the mailbox, Megan. Um, so our first question today is Zachary on Facebook. Hello, I did the census toward the beginning of the year when I lived in one apartment. I've moved in a new house in July and the census people keep coming to my door. Do I need to do the census again? What do you, you know, Megan? Well, you did it once. You don't have to do it again. One so, and done. Yes, one and done. So you provide your address of where you were living on April 1 and fill out your census according to that address. And if you did not complete the census yet, you still have time. Right. And so it doesn't matter if you've moved houses. If, you've, if you personally did not complete the census, fill it out, but use the address of where you were living on April 1. Yes, it's been so. kind of a weird year. It's so. been a weird year. Yeah. 2020 will go down in the books. It's just a weird year. All right. Well, thanks, Megan, on that. So let's move to question number two. Kyle on Facebook. Do you have any recommendations on what to do for the for recycling plastic bags? He's talking about those one-use grocery bags. I know the city's recycling program does not accept them, and Walmart used to have a bin for them at their entrance, but they've removed it due to COVID-19. I'd rather not send them to the landfill. What should I do? This is interesting because I actually ran into this issue myself around town. Yes, yeah. so I found out kind of the hard way. I brought my bags to Walmart, and they had taken away that bin due to obvious reasons. Yeah. So uh, we recommend you try another grocery store. Sprouts and Homeland offer a recycling option, but again, I'm not really sure if they might have taken it away as all 
as well, excuse me, if all bag recycling options are on hold due to COVID-19, you're more than welcome to explore using these bags as trash can liners or other activities. You can be creative. Um, another option is to store them until retailers can accept them once again. Yeah, not, not an ideal answer, but it is the reality of the world we're living in at the moment. Yep, totally understandable. Yeah. Well, thank you, Megan. Yes, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to FYI Stillwater. If you like this episode, help us out and give us a like or share us with your friends. Stay tuned for our next podcast. If you have a question for City Hall, email news at stillwater.org, and in the next podcast, we'll answer a few of them. FYI Stillwater is available on our website at stillwater.org, Spotify, and just about anywhere else you enjoy your podcast.